Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 129. All right, guys. So I hope you're all recovered from the long week last week, staying up real late to order your iPhones. Everybody get their their, uh, orders in on time. Also, wait a second. Let me get this straight. So most of the people that I saw on the internet talked about setting their alarm to get up at three to order it. And I thought that was the cool thing to do. And I thought I was crazy for staying up until three to order my phone. And I always do that. I don't, I'm a, I'm a late night person. So I always just stay up. So is that what you did, Sam, as well? You stayed up or did you go to sleep and then set your alarm to get up at three? I found that if I have my watch on, it will buzz or not buzz. It'll vibrate on my wrist. And that wakes me up pretty much any, every time. So I don't worry about it. I just go to sleep though. I was up kind of late anyway. And I just, had a light sleep for an hour or two until the until it was time to wake up. Okay. What about you, Alex? Oh, I set an alarm. You're a reasonable person, unlike yeah. me. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that's generally the theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also get up real early, too. So um, if, if I stayed up late and then got up early, it would have been a... It was, it was a rough day the next day, anyway. And, I, you know, for me... I ran into a few challenges. I I think a lot of people had trouble getting it in right away. Uh, supposedly a caching issue. Yeah, uh, I definitely I, had a hard time getting in. I, it didn't refresh for me for a good 10 minutes. Yeah, I tried yeah, I killing the app. Yeah, I think my first app. one I got in after six minutes. I probably killed and restarted the app a good 30, 40 times. I also went to the browser. Uh, finally got in. After, I, th- I think, about seven minutes past normal, people were already posting that they got their orders. So I was getting a little nervous. Yeah, I even went to the length I was toggling between cellular and Wi-Fi to see if I would hit, like, a different uh, different uh, CDN based on what network I was hitting it from. <laughs> so I And I did the whole prep. I think Backrumors posted an article about prepping for it. So I picked my configuration in the Apple Store app, added it to my favorites. So I was ready to go. Um, got in, put it in my cart, started the checkout, and then I hit the uh, carrier verification. It's like, and that's where everything just kind of fell apart. <laughs> you know, for the first several times, I just got errors trying to, to proceed. And then I finally got a message saying something went wrong. And here's your reservation ID, but it didn't really explain what that meant. And then after that, I, you know, AT and T was just not responding at all. So after about an hour, I gave up, went to bed, had no idea if I was getting one or not. <laughs> I yeah, for me it was not that bad of an experience. Other than I was doing everything to try to get that page to to load. I had my browser. I had a on my laptop. I had an iPad going, I had my phone going, none of them were getting the right store page. And I even had the the thing in my cart ahead of time, like you guys did. But when I went to go in, in, in the Apple store app, I went to my cart, my profile screen, 
and it aired out. Yeah. So I couldn't even do that. It's like that profile service was down for a while. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like that's the one thing. Like Google has this stuff down pretty well. I wish Apple could get some of this server stuff down, yeah. but. Yeah. I think somebody so posted a screenshot, uh, presumably somebody who worked for Apple, of uh, live analytics of the store. And at that yeah, time... Yeah, it was like 12 million users or something. Yeah, 12 million. Website. <laughs> at, at all at the same time. So, you know, that's impressive. Yeah. You know, the fact that it stays up as well as it does, even... it. I feel like Google could handle it still, but yeah. Well, I, here it's the... In, in my opinion, the big bottleneck was the carriers more than anything. I, I think if the carriers weren't involved, it, it would have gone a, a lot more smoothly. Well, I had the T-Mobile version. Didn't even need any carrier input. Well, it shouldn't... I mean, T-Mobile version's usually the unlocked version. I, I think last time it might have been Sprint, but... Or at least the closest thing to unlock that you get on launch day. Yeah, and I just I just wanted usually. I just wanted an unlocked phone, and that was my preference, and it forced me through the AT and T Next program. Oh. And and I wasn't at first. I you know once I got my reservation and got in, um, it forced me to AT and T Next and. Took me a while to figure out what that meant and whether or not I wanted it. So after all that rigmarole, like what what shift dates did you guys end up with? I ended up getting November third, which kind of surprised me after the challenges that I had. But uh, I, I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I ended up with uh, two to three weeks. So it's not the end of the world. I'll get it before Christmas. Is that November 17th through 24th or whatever? Yeah. Or is that past that? No, okay. that date, I think. Yeah, the two, so I, two to three weeks really is, I mean, a week versus two to three weeks didn't seem like that bad to me. Um, I know, you know, people were already posting on eBay, you know, well over 2000 for uh, iPhone <laughs> 10. I, I think it's way above that now or was earlier today. Yeah, so I, I got the same dates as Sam, and um, I was scared that wouldn't be enough for me, just because just we made some significant changes to our app to accommodate the iPhone ten that we needed to test out, and between me and my business partners, none of us got a November 3rd ship date. So, you know, at about 4 a.m., I'm like, all right, maybe I'm going to do the midnight launch at the, or not the midnight launch, like go and wait in line at the Apple Store thing. Then I was like, oh, I'll give I'll give the carrier a shot. So I gave him a I tried the website, it wouldn't work. And I called him up and um from what they could tell, they said looks like things are shipping on November 3rd for us still. So I placed an order with them 8 a.m. the next morning. I got a text that said, "Stock is low and we don't know when things are going to ship." But my order still said November 3rd and I contacted support and they still said Oh, yeah, it looks like you're going to get November 3rd. And I'm like, why did I get this text message that said we don't know when they're going to ship? But I, I have gotten the notification that uh, it has, quote, shipped from T-Mobile. Although, like, when you go to the UPS tracking, it just says the label's been created and it's waiting to be, to be received. But I feel pretty good about that. I'll probably uh, cancel one of my orders or I think... Uh, one of our listeners suggested day phone, night phone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess I'm surprised that T-Mobile of all people 
uh, got me an order on November 3rd, but so far it seems like it will. The, it still looks like it's coming then, so. Well, that's good news. So you're not going to go wait at the Apple store real early in the, in the morning? Probably not. It'll It'll depend on, you know, how the shipping status updates over the next week or so, next few days before we... Uh, when the reviews come out and when we start seeing orders change for people who are getting their phones on November 3rd. I guess, worst case, I could always come borrow Alex's phone for five minutes and yeah. test it on that if I wanted to. I'm going to be it. out of town when it arrives, so you're more than welcome to borrow it. Oh. What's your address again? <laughs> <laughs> Sam doesn't. He, Sam just canceled his order. <laughs> So uh, another thing that happened today uh, as we're recording is we just got a new set of betas. So the 11.2 betas, and we have not finished the 11.1 um, betas as far as I can tell. So It seems like either they are done and they just haven't shipped it because that's what's on the new iPhone 10, or they're just skipping it. I feel like the last beta was a little buggy. I think I saw somewhere that the the eleven point one GM was released, but I, I guess we're we're currently sitting is that we have two sets of betas, which happens from time to time. Um, but I, I'm sure by the time this podcast podcast comes out, maybe eleven point one will already be out. If not, will be coming out shortly for the the iPhone ten because I don't know if you guys messed around with some of the early 11.1 betas or the simulator in the 11.0 SDK for iPhone 10, but they were still iterating through some, some stuff big time. So I, I think the iPhone 10 is definitely going to need this new 11.1 version. I, I honestly, I, cause I've been working with map kit in this app that I have avoided Xcode nine because the simulator is just so terrible. Because MapKit uses OpenGL, and as soon as you do that, it screws everything up. So, yeah, I wonder if is there a new? I haven't gotten to check it. Is there new Xcode betas too? I wonder if the simulators are improved in eleven point two. There, I think there was a new Xcode beta, and there's a a point release. I think of Xcode nine. There's I Xcode had... nine one beta two, but that wasn't released recently. That was October 9th. Okay. Okay, so there's no Xcode nine two. Not not yet. I know hmm. only nine one. Okay. Well, like hopefully we'll see that soon, or we'll there's get our Xcode devices soon. We can test stuff. Which was released on the sixteenth. I've been so busy with other things that I kind of have just been avoiding that and building up that tech debt right now. Yeah, you'll get it figured out. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Well, so eleven. Although we so we do have the eleven point two beta and. It looks like that's kind of the going to be the HomePod release. It has a bunch of uh, Siri Kit commands for HomePod. So I, I guess sounds like they're still going to be shipping that this year. We haven't really heard much about it recently. No, I forget even what kind of ship date they had mentioned for it when they introduced introduced it back at the dub. They had said December, so... Okay. I mean, it doesn't get much later for Apple to say we're going to ship this in 2017 than (laughs) saying December. So part of me thinks that this is like a New Year's Eve pre-order type December release or something (laughs) like that. Uh, Um, No, maybe they'll do like pre-orders starting 
December one, so you know people don't go out and buy Echoes and other devices for Christmas. They did, however, fix the uh, infamous calculator gate bug <laughs> in eleven point two. So you guys can all add one plus two plus three and and not have to use pcalc anymore. Pesky animations, I'll tell you. Speaking of animations, though, um, I downloaded pcalc during Calculator Gate, and that about screen is the coolest app I've played recently. So <laughs> you should definitely check it out. It's got AR Kit. It's got Scene Kit. I think. Oh my. Um. Oh. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's a fun about screen. Have you seen it before? I remember earlier in the summer he posted like a video of uh, Peacock with AR Kit, and the calculators actually even work inside of the the uh, AR scene in that video. In the video <laughs> they did. I don't I don't know about the about screen. It's it's good stuff. So check it out. So James Thompson can get himself uh, an iPhone ten or two. <laughs> He he did tweet that he said thanks to the calculator gate scandal, Apple has almost paid for a, a new iPhone 10 for him, and he he recognized the irony. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you guys submitted your iPhone 10 apps yet? Because you can officially now go in and do that and and proclaim in your release notes and all that goodness that you've. Oh, you mean you're ready for iPhone 10? You're not going to get rejected for that anymore. Yeah, the email as of Monday came out saying submit your apps for iPhone 10, so presumably it's okay now. Yeah, for the most part, as long as you're sticking to built-in controls, there shouldn't be a lot of updating that you need to do, except for, I guess, isn't there like a launch storyboard thing? Don't you have to have a launch storyboard now instead of yeah. static Yeah, you do. you do. Yeah, launch storyboard and then... Um, um, you have to build with the the right SDK, iOS 11 SDK. Okay. I mean, the, the apps will work <laughs> on an iPhone 10, assuming you've done those, you know, bare minimum. But if you want an app that's designed well, I, I would say even if you're using mostly, you know, vanilla controls, there's there's going to be some work that you have to do. I mean, it's a, it, it's a really big design change to give us... And, and, I'm sure Apple realizes it like a with kind of I don't know like a month or two notice like yeah. oh here's a whole bunch of new constraints and they like like we've talked about in previous episodes they've given us a lot of the APIs to deal with this stuff they added the new safe layout guides and the and the edge protection API stuff like that but um having those APIs and not really knowing what they were for versus you know having these constraints about these rounded corners and the notch is is a big change for most apps i would think yeah and not being able to test is you know until recently it was kind of a big deal yeah i mean if you if you're using a vanilla ui navigation controller you'll you'll probably be fine for the most part and the same with the tab bar except for your landscape mode <laughs> yeah um but yeah even even vanilla component apps i think probably have a decent amount of work to do from a design standpoint unless you're like i said just like a standard old stock yeah. components which i most apps aren't so oh yeah but certain things 
are pretty much universal. You know, most people don't roll their own navigation controllers. Some people do roll their own tab bars, and that I can see why because you know, the tab bar itself is okay. But for the most part, I would bet there's a large majority of apps that are going to be okay without without too many changes. Yeah. Well, you also every everyone every developer's favorite part of doing iPhone updates is you get a new set of screenshots and uh, videos that you need to make happen. So there's always that yeah. magic that you get to do. Have we figured out what that is going to be for the iPhone 10? Because if you take screenshots in the simulator now, it it gives you the rounded corners, but with like a gray background or something like that. It's kind of weird. I don't know. I still haven't. I haven't uploaded the photos myself, so I don't know how it shows up in the app store. Although I have noticed, like, on there's been some videos that have leaked out that, like, when you're doing app switching, the apps kind of zoom away from the notch, and they're like a full rounded rect. Hmm. Okay. Um. So I'm. My guess is maybe screenshots just look like that, and maybe Apple. I haven't taken a screenshot with the latest simulator, but maybe Apple will put a notch on it if they feel like it. Uh, give it the proper look i'm not sure but i, I yeah that, i guess that still remains to be seen apple does do this to us every few years or so right because for years the we had the 320 by 480 and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. we got the uh what was it 500 or something pixels with the iphone 5 which wasn't a huge issue because most of the time you're just scrolling and then with the 6 as long as you were using auto layout, you were pretty much fine. I I know we had to. In most scenarios, yeah. I mean, when you're using auto layout and your phone is basically just like tall or short, you you use auto layout enough to cover those scenarios. Right. In this case, it got wider and taller, and especially with the six plus. But at the same time, in this case, we had pretty ample warning from Apple. Because they were shipping that simulator that allowed you to customize the size of the device. They didn't say what size. It just you were you just were able to put it to whatever size you wanted. And so I think the the reasoning they said or the the reason they gave was just so that you could try out different sizes for your auto layout and make sure that things worked good. But then we then we found out the the truth. So. In that in that one we had a lot of warnings. So I think if you if you saw that simulator and didn't actually uh, migrate away from doing frame based calculations, then you weren't reading the writing on the wall at that point. And I guess this in this case we got those safe layouts, but they never really hinted at them other than saying, "Yeah, this is really mostly for TVOS and TVs that have overscan issues." So yeah, there wasn't a lot of um, guesswork. Or, we had to guess more on that in that case. Yeah, I mean, I think we're at a stage right now where a lot of apps basically did the work to make it so that their apps like don't have things that are cut off or things that like you can't use anymore. Um, and people kind of did a quick, you know, one month development job to kind of just make things fit within the new bounds that they have. But I've got a feeling, A, that there's going to be a lot of apps that take a long time to get updated. Like it's going to be years. This is going to be like another black bar scenario. 
like we had with the the five <laughs> screen size that it's going to take a long time before all these you know old out of date apps are updated the ones that are 64 bit even i still i still um, run into apps occasionally that haven't been recompiled for the iphone 6 yeah so it's it's going to suck as an iphone 10 user i think for to use a lot of apps well the question i would ask is how many of those apps are you actually using yeah, other than maybe something where it's like oh i need this token generation generating app for my corporate vpn or or maybe some other type of commercial software like that but most apps that you're actually using are probably going to update pretty quickly yeah but a lot of those apps are like apps so you're thinking of apps like apps that you work on or that or that we all work on where you're on like a team that's funded to constantly be working on the app but there's a lot of apps by big companies even that'll you know spend a big amount of time on their app and that'll be it for a couple years like the Chipotle app comes to mind. Like I use that app all the time to order Chipotle and it went through a long time without being touched. But you would think, you know, big company has the resources to keep an app up to date, but hopefully that's happening less and less. But a lot of these companies that, you know, don't have a full-time app development team and use, you know, some third party solution to get something up and running. Yeah. And maybe they're already kicked out of the app store because of the <laughs> the whole white labeling apps thing. Oh, yeah. Um but it but those those types of smaller companies are gonna take a long time to update or or companies that, you know, have a product that came out two or three years ago and like the budget's gone for whatever that product is. I mean they have no That's true. Like maybe your garage door opener or something. Or like your, like I remember, like the Xbox 360 Smart Glass app never got updated for 64-bit. Last I saw, <laughs> I mean stuff like that, where it's a product that came out a while ago and it's like at the end of its lifespan. Right. And my um, question to you is, is that really an app that you're using every day, or that there's a lot of users using it every day? Well, but like the Chipotle app or yeah. my Garage Door app, I mean stuff like that. They're definitely. Right. A lot of smart home apps. I actually had an issue with a smart home product I have. Uh, I couldn't set it up on iOS 11, and I had a I found a test device that was running iOS 10 to get it set up, and then I could use the app from iOS 11. Yeah. It was it was the Wemo app, but I mean Wemo's like has not stopped making smart home products. Right. But yeah, the Chipotle developers, the Chipotle had developers dedicated to it, but they all got sick, food poisoning. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing as much anymore. The stock price still reflects it. But. Yeah, I'm aware because I bought a bunch of stock thinking, no, it couldn't couldn't get that bad. And then like another incident happened and another incident happened. Oh, my. So I dumped that a while ago. <laughs> it wasn't a lot of stock, but yeah, I was like, everybody loves Chipotle. <laughs> They're bound to bounce back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure they will, but I just gave up. and Wow got rid of that stock <laughs> i just looked at it i hadn't looked at it in a long time and yeah my my eyes went wide it's uh it's down significantly <laughs> but yeah don't don't take any uh stock market tips from us <laughs> or basically any advice um <laughs> we're definitely not a stock trading podcast <laughs> yeah it's a it, it's all Bitcoin now anyway. It doesn't matter. 
Yeah, speaking of, of Bitcoin, uh, just came from a, a talk at my alma mater. They had a, they do a lecture series every year. I went to Miami University, the original Miami. If you watch the sports, they had the little OH in parentheses next to it. I don't know what's up with that. Um, but we had Steve Wozniak come in for a, a talk and it was, you know, no tickets required. You just showed up. So I went to that tonight uh, and got to listen to Woz talk for an hour and a half or so. And he did a and a section and all this stuff. So it was really, Woz is an entertaining guy, but one of the things that he thought very highly of was uh, blockchain stuff in general. Maybe not Bitcoin specifically, but he was a big fan of the blockchain it's kind of a technology to look out for going forward. Yeah, I've I've heard some of the hype on that kind of thing. And it is interesting. And some of the stuff like if you had blockchain, say, for your birth certificate, nobody would ever have to worry about the authenticity of your birth certificate. There would be no birther movement for any presidents or future presidents. Yeah, I mean there were there were things like that that he, he discussed as like some of the potential benefits of a blockchain um i think the hard part for me is even just kind of describing what it is yeah it's not it's not something that we're going to be able to describe to you in the the next you know five minutes of this podcast or whatever and there's lots of good info out there (laughs) and there are a lot of ted talks titled something like uh blockchain demystified or um simplified or whatever and I don't think there's so many of them. Did those TED talks work? (laughs) I don't think any of them actually explain what blockchain is. So, um, but there was a good one on using blockchain for like public records and preventing fraud. And that was very well done. Yeah. One of the things listening to Wise, and that was kind of the angle he took on blockchain was kind of his, how strong his personal kind of ethics were. He seemed to hold that as kind of a, Oh, my phone just dinged. He seemed to hold that as a pretty like high priority for him, you know, as he went throughout his career and the stuff he did at Apple, which may be why he's no longer there. <laughs> um, although he he did point out that he is the only Apple employee to uh to get a paycheck from when the company was founded up till today. He still gets a paycheck from them. So <laughs> interesting. I guess he's on their board. And draws the paycheck that way, maybe? No, no, I think uh, when when he left, part of Steve's deal was like, no, we're just going to keep paying <laughs> Steve Steve Jobs' deal. I don't think that was Waz's request. Okay. But he was, it was interesting. He had some, some strong opinions, as you would expect, about uh, Google and privacy and, uh, and Apple and privacy as well, kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum, as you can guess. Um. I had, I had not realized it, but uh, apparently he was one of the founders of the Electronic Foundier Found. Yeah, Electronic Front- Frontier Foundation. Oh. I've donated to that a few so, times now. Yeah. So Waz helped start that, apparently. I didn't even know. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. He was, uh, he, he gave us kind of like a, you know, a whole bunch of interesting anecdotes from his, from his life and stuff like that, and there are some interesting questions that people had, like people asked him, you know, uh, Elon Musk has come out and said that, you know, the biggest thing we should be worried about is, is AI, you know, taking over the world or whatever. And his, his answer was pretty hilarious. He said that, uh, 
Oh yeah, I was uh, I was saying that way before Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking were talking about you know how the AI robots were gonna overthrow us all, but now he decided that they're both wrong and we're never gonna see a true artificial intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> So it was an interesting, interesting perspective he had there. Yeah, you know, I think since the seventies, a good, you know, AI that can pass the Turing test and all that kind of stuff has always been, you know, five years away. And sure, AI technologies have infiltrated our everyday computing, but still a pretty long way away from this thing where it's actually going to be thinking and telling us what to do or whatever yeah his point was kind of along those lines like we don't as humans fully understand how the brain works how it stores memories and stuff like that we have you know we can see oh when you hold up a picture like this and you know it lights up this part of the brain or whatever but um he was like the things that people are calling ai now are mostly like little specific algorithmic problems that people solve and maybe it's kind of a misnomer um yeah the, so yeah like the whole tensorflow thing it's a it's a very good recognizer but that doesn't make an ai sure it can tell you that yeah. a picture has a, a a beach in the background but it's not going to make a picture of a beach or come up with a concept of a beach necessarily yeah or like it can be really good at playing a game like because like i don't know if you guys saw but recently like the there's a new go ai um and it basically played against itself and and within like an hour it was better than any human it it, it and after a couple weeks or months i think it was it could beat any of the you know the previous like go champion ais that have been out there from google the alphago yeah there's a new alphago i forget what the there's a suffix on it for whatever the new ai is but just, you know, a computer can play 80,000 Go games against itself, you know, within a span of an hour, which is more than a human could play in its lifetime. So, I mean, computers can get really good at specific tasks, but, you know, it's once you... It's a whole different thing to have, like, artificial intelligence. Yeah. For now. Anyway. Give us another five years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's about all the time we have for this week. Do you guys want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. I'm at Alex Argo. And I'm at Sam Corder. The podcast is at Shared Inst. And if you want to chat about anything, just uh, hit us up and get a Slack invite at chat.sharedinstance.com. Talk to you guys soon and we'll have all the new iPhone goodies, hopefully. <laughs>